Okay, friends, let's read our passage together, and then we'll pray and get started. So go ahead and grab your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, while we join our FCC friends who are reading the passage for us in this next video. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all the humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the, the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried off by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, who we are to grow up in every way unto him, into him, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. All right, friends, pray with me. God, we, we ask that you would be here right now with us, that as we come together like we do each week to worship you, to study your word, that you would rip the distractions from our, our minds and our hearts this morning that we'd be able to focus on your word and that you would use it to change us. You would use it to transform us, making us more like Christ. We praise your name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, story time. There's a story that I heard about a young farm boy who lived in Wisconsin during the frontier times. He lived with his father in a very rural part of the state and they lived off the land on their farm. Like most kids who grew up on a farm, he was required to help out with the chores each morning before he went to school. He would feed the chickens, feed the cows, carry in some firewood, and then would be on his way to school. It was a tiny school on the edge of town, and he would walk there and back each day with some of the neighbor girls and boys. They would run and play and laugh on their way, having a great time. Well, one day in the early spring, a photographer came to their little one-room school to take a photo of the students and the teachers. 
he had everyone come outside and line up in nice rows with the young kids standing in the front and the older, taller kids standing in the back. He took a couple photos of the group with his large old camera. Then he said, thank you. And everyone went back inside to do their schoolwork. Now, this was a long time ago, back in the day when photos were printed on paper, when photos had to be developed manually, and everything worked really slowly. So, like 20 years ago. No, just kidding. This was back in the uh, 1890s, a long time ago. So, so anyway, eventually the school received the group photo by mail. And by that time, the young boy had almost completely forgotten about the photographer and about having his picture taken on that beautiful spring day. As the students arrived for school that day, they were told that the photo had come and everyone was excited to take a look. Each child was having a great time finding themselves in the photo. As our young farm boy looked and looked, he began to be troubled. The teacher asked him what the problem was and the boy said, I'm not in the picture. The teacher quickly looked at all the faces in the photograph and excitedly said, sure you are, you're right there. As the teacher pointed to the face that the farm boy didn't recognize. That's me, he thought. He turned to a friend and said, is that me? And his friend said, sure is. The boy in the picture seemed too dirty and unkept to be him. His hair was a total mess. His face and clothes were covered in dirt but he did recognize the homemade overalls. Wow, he said to himself, that's me. You see, the young boy didn't have any mirrors around at home or at school, and this was the first time he'd ever seen a camera, let alone had a picture of himself taken. He didn't remember having ever seen his face before. Well, the next day, the young boy came to school with his hair combed, his face mostly washed, and his clothes only a little muddy, from the fun he had on his walk to school. So you might not know anybody who doesn't have a mirror or someone who's never seen a photo of, them, of themselves, but we all have been around people who seem like they need a little bit of help from somebody else to see themselves. We've all been around someone who is acting like a jerk or a fool and we think, can they not hear themselves? Or can they not see how what they're doing is affecting everyone around them. Well, the truth is, not only have we seen those people who appear to need, out, need outside help to see themselves accurately, the truth is, we are all those people. Every one of us is that young boy or the young girl who is unable to see the filth on our own faces. I guarantee you that at multiple times in your life, People around you have said, can they not hear themselves? Can they not see how what they are doing is affecting their spouse, their child, their employees, their coworkers, their friends? Whether it's in how you parent or how you treat your spouse or how you do your job or how you talk to friends and strangers, it is next to impossible sometimes to see our own faults. It's next to impossible to see the dirt on our own faces to see what needs to change without help. We all need help from one another. We are all dependent on each other, especially when it comes to growing spiritually. Until you see your own growth as bound up with those in the church around you, 
you will not get to where you should be going. Let me say that again. Until you see your own growth as bound up with those in the church, you will not get to where you should be going, becoming more and more similar to Jesus. I cannot grow without you. You cannot grow without me. Relationships are what God uses for our sanctification. We need unity together to grow into the likeness of Jesus. That's what our passage talks about today. The unity we all need to grow more like Christ. So let's talk about that. Turn in your Bible, our standard for life and for living at FCC, and let's, let's learn some stuff together. <clears throat> so in this passage, we will be hearing from Paul, the one sent by Jesus to proclaim the good news of salvation to the Gentile people of the Mediterranean world. Here, he is writing to the church of believers who live in a Greek-cultured city called Ephesus, and he is calling them to unity for the purpose of their own growth. So let's read Ephesians 4, starting with the first verse. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So first off, let me just point out that this you right here is not a singular you, but a plural you, as in y'all. Y'all need to listen, he's saying. So the call that Paul is referring to is from the first chapters of Ephesians. It is their call, or really our call, to be the sons and daughters of God, to be the body of Christ, to be the building that is built up on Jesus, our foundation and cornerstone. That's a big calling. All right, let's keep going. So walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Often we want to focus on ourselves and what I need to do to grow and walk with God. But everything that Paul lists here to describe the way we should be walking is in relation to one another. Humility and gentleness cannot be expressed without someone to express those towards. Patience requires someone to be patient with. Bearing with one another in love requires, well, one another. Being eager to maintain unity requires someone to be unified with. It's easy to be unified with yourself. Paul wouldn't need to urge us to do that. This group perspective is an essential mental shift that we need to make as we move through this passage. Paul is not talking to just me or to just you, but to all of us together. Okay, so to walk according to our calling, what are we supposed to be unified to or with? Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So in these verses, Paul is trying to capture the unity that is found within the Trinity and within the Christian faith. The Ephesian church was swimming in a culture that had as many religions and worldviews as we do today. 
when we look at probably the most popular of the Greek religions found in Ephesus, the worship of the Greek pantheon of gods, which included like Zeus and Poseidon and Apollo and, and all those gods. In this religion, religion, there is complete disunity. There is fighting and murder and rivalry and disloyalty between the God figures. It's like an X-rated soap opera. They fought for control of realms, territories, cities. There was just as much change in fighting and backstabbing and disloyalty as in human relationships. These gods were made in the image of fallen man. In essence, this multi-god religion was simply the deification of humanity's worst traits. It was taking humans at their worst and not only justifying it, but glorifying it. So as a worshiper, you simply pick the God that suited you best or could give you what you wanted and you worship that one one day and then maybe another one the other day. And it was, a, it was a game of trying to manipulate this God and that God to your benefit. Today, we might not worship a pantheon of gods in our modern culture, but the world does have this same deep disunity. It has this same call to pursue the God that fits you best. We are told to make our own way in the world, choose our own path, build your own future, a famous line from a poem that is often quoted by world leaders, countless movies, TV shows, books, and more, ends with, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. The modern world tells us to make your own path and choose your own God. But on the other hand, the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is something different. There is no rivalry between the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. They don't fight over followers and territories and sacrifices. They are so unified that they are one. There's no realms and territories to be won and lost because God is over them all. There's no glory to be fought over because God has it all. There is unity throughout with one God over all, through all, and in us all. This is so very different from the theology that the Ephesian Gentiles were used to and so different from what the world tells us today that we should be pursuing. As followers of this unified God of the Bible, the Ephesian church, and in turn, we as modern Christians are called to submit to the one God and his one mission. We are called to strive for unity together that reflects our God to the world around us. That is what is meant when it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have been called out of this cruel, disloyal, self-serving, disunified world and called to the unity of God. So, this is a tall order. How do we get the church made up of so many people in so many places? How do we get all these people to be unified? Good question, thanks for asking. Let's go to verse seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So this is just a quick reminder of how all believers have received spiritual gifts from Christ. We learn elsewhere in the scripture that these gifts are to be used to encourage and build up the church. 
Let's keep going. Verse 8. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he has also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So there is a lot packed into this section that would take a lot of time to to unpack. And so we're not gonna do that right now. But in a nutshell, Paul here is talking about how Jesus and his victory over sin and death and the fact that he has given us spiritual gifts is like Psalm 68, which pictures God as a victorious king giving, giving gifts to his people. Basically, Paul is saying, Jesus is an awesome God king. All right, verse 11. And he gave the, the apostles, the prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there are a lot of different spiritual gifts believers, uh, that believers can receive from God. But the gifts listed here deal with leading the church. They grow and focus and help unify our key word for the day, they unify the church around the word of God. The equipping and building up is done through teaching of the word of God. So how long do we use our gifts to help unify the church? Verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, this is the goal of our unity. We strive for unity around the Bible so that we can have the knowledge of the Son of God, so we can become spiritually mature people being formed into the image of of Christ himself. Verse 14. So that we might no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Uh, It is in these things that cause dissension and disunity in the church. When we are not unified by the standard of the word, of the Bible, then we are tossed around by winds of doctrine, by human cunning, separating and dividing us. Verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each person who is a part of the church uses their gifts in unity together, we all grow. You, friend, when you are working properly, the body can go. When you are using your spiritual gift properly in community, in unity, we all grow. When you choose unity with the church and the equipping and encouragement of your brothers and sisters in Christ around you, instead of using your gifts to direct your own ship and master your own fate and build your own kingdom 
and worship your own God, your own God of money and comfort and pleasure and material possessions, then the church can grow into more and more similarity with Christ. Until you see your own growth as bound up with those in the church, you will not get to where you should be going. My growth is tied up with yours, Scott's growth, the elder's growth, the growth of the guy or girl who's watching for the first time right now, the families watching whose parents and grandparents have been a part of FCC from the beginning. We are all dependent on one another so that we can be built into the church of Christ, the body of Christ, the image of Christ. We are all in need of outside help to point us toward the standard of the Bible. Friends, do you feel connected with the church and a part of its growth? Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and these are new thoughts to you, thoughts of personal growth being intertwined with the community of people. If so, that's cool. Keep checking us out. Keep considering the good news of Jesus and the offer that he extends towards you of a new life, of forgiveness, of salvation from death and hell through the sacrifice that he gave on the cross on your behalf on Easter. Your next step is believing and accepting Jesus as your savior and then joining our community as we follow him closer each day. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I ask you this question, what step can you take to move, uh, more, to move toward more unity and connection with the community of the church? So we're gonna take a minute right now and we're gonna to reflect together. I'm gonna to stop talking. We're going to play some nice music for you. And we're gonna put these questions up on the screen for you to talk about with the folks in the room with you or to reflect on if you're by yourself. So here are those questions and I'll be right back. Friends, do you feel connected with the church and its growth? What step can you take to move toward more unity and connection? We are all called to this amazing calling of being adopted children of God. Paul challenges us to walk together in this calling. And we do this by seeking unity around the Bible. Each one of us has a gift that can help build the church. Each one of us has a role to play. Friends, find your place with us. Find peace with us as we strive to grow into similarity 
to Jesus Christ together. Find unity in the church for growth in Christ. Pray with me, friends. God, we are so thankful for the unity that we see in you. And we are so thankful for the call that you call us to, to be your adopted sons and daughters, to be unified as you are unified. God, we cannot do this without you. So please help us as, as a church community to unify together, to use our, our gifts together to build the church. God, we crave real community. We crave uh, vulnerable community. We crave intimate community. I pray that you'd give us that. And yes, it is difficult at, at times, but we, we pray for life-changing unity and communi community together. We praise your name. We thank you for Jesus, for what he's done for us, what he did for us on Easter. And we thank you for the new life that we can celebrate in him. Thank you, God.